Okay, we're live. Welcome back to the Security Break Podcast. Uh, once again, <laughs> uh, I think this is, uh, we are on the 27th episode, which is pretty great, I would say. Uh, and I'm so happy and so excited to uh, welcome IPSec um, to, to this new episode. Hi, hi, how are you? Good, happy yourself. Yeah, pretty good. And I'm I'm so uh, <laughs> I like so much to reiterate on the fact that I'm I'm saying hi, but just pretend we we didn't meet before <laughs> before going live, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's okay. That's very cool. Um, as I said, uh, welcome everyone. Um, uh, if this is the first time you're watching this, this is just a, a little uh, project. I will probably say a podcast of mine where uh, I invite cool people like APSEC today. Uh, just to have a um, you know um, chill conversation on what happened uh, recently in the security realm, uh, so I can, I can basically you know learn something uh, just talking with uh, with people uh, that maybe have a different background, different you know knowledge base, just because they did something different in their you know life, career, or whatever. Uh, and I think there's there's a lot of value in that, and hopefully uh, you know the conversation itself can be valuable for. Uh, you watching this or listening to this as well. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone is going to know you already, but would you mind having a, a quick introduction of yourself? Yeah, so I'm Ipsec. I do a lot of just CTF videos, um, primarily over Hack the Box nowadays. I think I've been doing it for six years, maybe seven years. Um, almost every week, Saturday. Sometimes I do them midday as well. Uh, before that, I was big into esports. My game of choice was always StarCraft and StarCraft 2. But mainly, I just do a lot more CTF videos nowadays and security work. I had to give up a lot of the gaming to learn this field because if you're not in InfoSec, it is one of the most demanding, like time intensive fields out there. Absolutely. I agree with that. And, you know, Part of the goal of this project is it's you know trying to fulfill that kind of uh, you know requirement because I I feel like I should read a lot right I should know about everything is going on in the in the industry and I don't usually have time for that right because you know for the work and I have a social life uh, other than this but you know if I'm uh, into this I know I I have to talk with you today. Uh, so I'm, you know, a little more incentivated to um, incentivized, yeah, incentivized to um, uh, to read something and to collect some information that could be useful. And maybe, you know, you you watching this, maybe you didn't have time as well, but you can just catch what we are uh, uh, talking about. And I'm also going to um, paste in the in the description of this video all of the links to the resources we are going to talk about. So when you have time, uh, you can also deep dive on yourself and uh, uh, make your own opinions and uh, maybe let us know later if you um, uh, uh, if you have to say something about it. Maybe we said something wrong, could be, right? at least for me. Uh, so just, you know, please correct me or uh, let me know if there's anything else that we should know about this. Um, so just a second before we start this, I see some people um, watching. Um, you know, this is live, but you can definitely rewatch uh, this later on YouTube or re-listen to it on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you like more. 
Um, and I have a um, pretty big news for this episode. This is the first time ever that I'm doing a little uh, giveaway. I'm going to share my screen in a second. Basically, um, I'm going to take this book right here. Uh, I don't know if anyone knows about it. Uh, it's The Art of Deception by Kevin Mitnick. If you don't know Kevin Mitnick, he, he, is, you know, uh, he has been a, a pretty uh, important person for the security realm. Um, I think, yeah, he has something like the, the most um, you know, wanted hacker or whatever of the world at some point. Uh, and he he wrote um, a list of different books, which I think are pretty pretty cool. And anyone I think can read them. Uh, they're not very uh, very technical, but still very useful. I read uh, a couple of those. So what I'm going to do is take three of these uh, books, The Art of Deception, and for anyone who is going to uh, subscribe to the channel and um, uh, post, uh, you know, comment this video with um, SB giveaway, uh, the hashtag, I'm going to put that in a, in a banner in a second. Uh, whoever wants to, uh, to do that and to try to win one of these books, uh, you know, you're more than welcome to try. Um, comment that and I will reach out uh, on the uh, 25th of February when, you know, this giveaway will be, will be over. So there are three copies of that. Um, you know, subscribe or comment uh, and comment actually. And uh, yeah, let's see who wins. Thank you so much. Um, so that's it. Now, uh, let's just uh, start with, um, with the format, which is very easy. I have, we have um, uh, a bunch of news from the last week. Uh, I'm sharing the first one of those in, uh, on my screen. I'm going to introduce the, the news itself, so the article itself. And um, then we we'll just you know, have a chat about it to see but what we think about it. Mm -hmm. So one, um, probably you read about this already somewhere. It's, uh, it's been uh, pretty, pretty huge, I will say. Uh, I'm talking about the uh, new uh, product that uh, OpenAI is going to, uh, to publish very soon. That, and, but <clears throat> they actually uh, shared something that, you know, it can, that can be done with this pro uh, product already. Uh, it's called Sora, and it's uh, uh, AI for generating videos. So we knew already that it could easily generate text or images with a lot of different tools that you can find uh, on the internet. And of course, um, uh, OpenAI is, uh, is um, providing some of those. But uh, for video generation, I think uh, there were not so many of those tools already, or they were not really great in terms of, uh, you know, uh, um, quality of the uh, the video that is being generated, but this time uh, they actually shared a video that I can actually uh, make it run on the background here with what it can be done with this tool, and, and it's pretty amazing, I will say. Like it's uh, uh, it's something that uh, looks like very professional, and the people looks uh, you know pretty real, I will say, which is the most concerning thing. Um, and uh, if that's so easy, you can just, you know, write a, a phrase and the tool will, will do everything. Um, that's, that's very easy, right? That's pretty easy. It will save a lot of uh, money and work probably for uh, all the people doing this for, for work. But also, you know, the thing that it's specified in this article is that, of course, there are security concerns about this. 
uh, they were ready with text and image and audio. But you know, if you can simulate a person moving, uh, saying something, talking, uh, and maybe you can uh, write whatever the person is going to, to tell, basically, right? You can uh, fake anyone telling anything. Okay, this is not something new. We know it already as a deep fake. So basically, the um, uh, the art of uh, uh, making a, um, uh, someone else uh, saying something you you would like them to to say, uh, and uh, AI is really uh, an enabler for that kind of uh, uh, of threat. Now, uh, I think that's that's pretty much the news, right? That's uh, um, what uh, the article is saying in very you know in very few words. And I would like to know what do you think about this? Like, what, what were your first thoughts when you when you saw the video or when you read the the article? Yeah, um, my first thoughts were kind of blown away, kind of just like when ChatGPT came around. Like, I didn't think computers could understand language that easily or that well. I should say, I guess um, this like it was amazing, and most of the videos are pretty spot on. There's a lot of like perspective things that it screws up. I know there's one where like a lady walks over top of some things at the beginning, like in order to get the video into um, the correct spot, uh, there's some mistakes, but like in the middle of the video, it's perfect. Um, but secure, like when I read, like they were giving early access to red teamers on this article, I was kind of confused. I was like, why red teamers? And I thought about it and just thought like, we already see this as a problem before this technology with like all the, Crypto Live Now YouTube scams were like the deep fakes of Elon Musk talking, saying, send me Bitcoin or whatever. Um, I think it's going to really compound once videos are in play. I like I don't think it's going to be bad like this election year. And I hate to get political, but like the next one, it, yeah. it's going to be crazy. Like I always used to think, um, at least before seeing this. It's going to suck for like the younger generations that have all that social media video out there, them doing TikTok, Vine, whatever it was, like people archiving that and having that blackmail on them like 30 years down the line. But now, like maybe just uploading those videos wasn't so bad because you can just deep fake it asking a machine to create the video. Like I didn't think that would be a possibility anywhere near like the time it is now. And I think yeah. if you ever get on, like the target of something like this, like someone's targeting you with these deep fakes, you never want to have to explain why um, that's a deep fake. It's like when you go in court and you have to explain to a jury like forensic evidence, soon as you go something like bit level, something so deep, they're not going to understand, right? You're going to go in this and be like, look, that's that's five, uh, six fingers. They screwed up the hand on that image. And like, if you have to make that argument, like the other people may just say, well, maybe that's a camera artifact. Like, it's going to be very hard to prove one way or the other. I think once these technologies come out. Yeah, absolutely. Like even I was thinking, this technology is is going to too fast, right? Uh, of course, the first time we we saw any uh, you know uh, large language model like ChatGPT, uh, you you already thought, okay, so tomorrow maybe we'll be able also to do something like videos and uh, music or whatever. But the, the fact that it's already there, potentially, right? Of course, yeah. we, we, we saw just a, a, a piece of it, but definitely it's there. And if we uh, just grant them another couple of years, I think it's going to be crazy how you know, real it looks like. 
and as you said, you know, the fact that um, you can have something, you know, in court um, because of something generated by, by this, uh, this type of model and you, you have to some way um, demonstrate it's, it's not real. That's going to be very difficult. Uh, we were actually talking about something like this in the, in the last episode uh, with another guest. And the fact that even the AI providers today or, or just, you know, the, the, the big tech, so the, the biggest companies out there don't really know how to identify AI-generated content on a scale at the moment, right? And right now, they are not really uh, 100% realistic uh, still, right? So what will happen tomorrow or in a few years when this will be uh, even, even better than, than, than nowadays? I don't know. That, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, the one thing like I'm really curious about that I haven't found any like talk about is I know they say like the prompt they gave it, but how long does it take to turn around that video and like how much compute power is actually used to generate it? Like is that prompt of 5 sentences to generate the video does it take like a day? Does it take minutes? Does it cost thousands? Does it cost like pennies? Like when this goes live, um what is the cost going to be? Is it just going to be like ChatGPT where they give you 60 seconds for free? Because if they do, that's that's definitely going to get abused. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they definitely do not speak about cost yet just because it's not um, it's not available for, for everyone right now. Uh, but I'm curious as well. Like This is potentially multiple times uh, um, more... Um, resource in, you know, intensive uh, compared to just images, right? Just because if you think uh, of a video as a, um, as a composition of multiple images, one after the other, you know, technically this is going to require a lot more um, uh, just computing uh, power, right? Or yeah. at least I expect that, uh, right? Um, so that's, that's interesting. Like uh, how, how much this will impact maybe the, the, the environment or, or something when we'll be live uh, also could be pretty interesting. Um, and also, you know, you, you mentioned that before, the fact that they opened it to like a, a beta, beta testing um, thing for, for red teamers. I mean, it's not what we usually, or at least I usually think about when, um, uh, you know, reading red team or red teamers. But basically it's interesting the fact that they are doing some kind of uh, open, bug bounty or whatever uh, to find uh, uh, ways to to um, uh, to exploit the tool before they, they release it. That's actually pretty good. They should have done it with other tools as well, probably. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm guessing one of the big reasons they did that is unfortunately, like, the deep fakes have committed some, like, young kids to commit suicide after, like, people have made um disturbing images of people like i can't imagine videos as well right so i'm guessing on top of trying to fight misinformation um the red teamers goal is going to be trying to make sure you can't bypass the prompts to generate adult content of unwilling people like that's another whole aspect that i don't think is really being touched upon and i don't think a lot of people touched upon it because they just didn't think the technology was around the corner yeah yeah that's true and i think the elections are also a big part of it, right? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, the, the previous guest in a, in a previous episode that you can check on YouTube if you want, 
by the way, um, mentioned that this year, something like a big percentage of all the countries in the world are doing elections in the same year. So it's, of course, it's, you know, mostly in the US because OpenAI is based there, but uh, this is a big issue for a lot of different governments. Um, and if you can just fake whatever, you know, politician saying something during the election, you can definitely, you know, move the, um, the, the potential results, right? I'm wondering how are they going to, to prevent that? Like I read something in the news that they are going to prevent um, creating images of politicians, but which politicians? All of them? Yeah. In every in every country, like all of the different generations, like the future ones, and uh, I don't know. And it doesn't have to be negative. Like whenever we think about this, we always think about making someone say something scandalous, right? But you can also just make someone seem a lot more credible than they are. Suddenly, like a politician that wouldn't have a big rally, now you can have him having rallies all across the world, wherever you are, looking like there's thousands of people listening to what they say. Then they don't even have to travel, right? Like, they could just generate five prompts and say, okay, well, that's my campaign for this week. We visited five places. Here's the videos. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like, it's it's about manipulation, right? The, it's yeah. a very big topic. It's not just about, you know, saying something bad or making someone someone else uh, saying something bad but just trying uh to to manipulate maybe another government uh elections because you have some interest in it right we yep. we saw that previously with uh, uh russia you know uh, trying to to manipulate the, the the united states elections and surely this is uh, already going on with uh, with other countries and this is a very big enabler like we okay this was already possible uh, this was already done before, uh, this kind of technology, but these make everything so much easier. It may be so much, so much more effective, I would say. Just looking at someone like a, a face saying something, I think it's more, can have a bigger impact, right? Than yeah. just some, some text. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, this is pretty interesting. And, you know, if you didn't already, just go in there and watch that video just to... Um, you know, uh, make yourself an idea of uh, what this is going to be because it's uh, it's close. They didn't say if this is going to be uh, um, you know released in to, um, 2024, but hopefully, I think you know next year or uh, very very close it will be available. And it, I will be you know very interested in uh, in try it and see uh, what it can be done. Um, but if you agree, I think it's okay to to move to the next one. Uh, yep. We have a bunch of different news, so uh, we have limited, limited time to dedicate to all of them. So uh, let's move to the uh, second news here. And this is this was, at least for me, uh, pretty pretty interesting. Um, I usually struggle a bit to, to select the news, right, to find out something that is not just yet another vulnerability or yet another data breach, which is most of the news out there. Um, and I try to to see if I can find something a little more interesting, a little more relevant. And this definitely, uh, you know, looked like that, at least to me. So we're talking about uh, some um, uh, security research by, uh, I think, a combination of multiple universities uh, that were um, investigating and researching uh, basically DNSSEC. Uh, so DNSSEC, just to make it very simple, if you don't know about it, 
it's um, let's say um, some additional mechanism uh, to be added to the DNS or so the do domain name system. Uh, so what enables you to basically uh, search the internet for something like google.com, right? Otherwise you, you would have to use their uh, IP address or the list of IP addresses that are uh, behind that, which is uh, pretty difficult for a, you know, a human. Um, uh, DNSSEC is uh, basically a, um, encryption and authentication method to be applied to DNS because by default, that's uh, um, that's clear text, right? That's something that if you are in the middle of the communication, you can potentially read it. You can potentially, you know, uh, uh, maybe uh, manipulate it if you um, replace this with, uh, replace the, maybe the, the response with something else. Uh, and um, they found, um, uh, once again, a vulnerability. So basically, uh, um, something that was actually affecting most of the uh, implementations out there, because of course every provider has their own implementation of uh, uh, the technology and the mechanism, and um, the potential um, consequence of uh, exploiting that uh, is basically a, a DOS attack, so a denial of uh, denial of service, meaning that they they will just uh, make the server take much more time to elaborate the response and you know to give a response to the, to the client. Meaning that when you, let's say, when you look for google.com, instead of you know, retrieving a response in uh, you know, less than a second and you already have your page in front of you, uh, the server will take much, much longer. We're talking about two millions time more, potentially. So meaning that you, know, uh, you, you can stack on your single research potentially for for hours or whatever and if you do that on a scale like if you're going to uh, uh, attack i don't know google servers which are one of the most used ones out there you're probably affecting most part of the internet uh, at the same time so i think that's very very big but maybe i misunderstood something uh what do you what do you think no, it is definitely a big vulnerability. Um, the one interesting thing about DNSSEC is it mainly just provides the integrity of data, so it can't be tampered with. It doesn't provide uh, confidentiality. Um, okay. So there's no um, encryption at place. It's still going to be in clear text. But the funny okay. thing about DNS is whenever like there's a vulnerability against it, it's almost always going to be denial of service. Um, back before DNSSEC, one of the major things that uh, helps with is like amplification attacks. So right. if you don't have it, you can spoof um, the who's making the request because regular DNS is only UDP. DNSSEC is going to be TCP, so you can't do as much um, spoofing. Like I can't say I'm someone else. It has to come from me. And that's a big deal because amplification attacks, if I ask someone like, um, let's say that we're at school, and the teacher is going to be the DNS server. If I just say, hey, um, who is in your class? I'm not sending that much data. The teacher then responds with a lot of data because she or he has to go through 30, 60 people, right? So now if I spoofed who I was, I said it was someone else, I send very little amount. And then I trick the DNS server and sending like 10, 20 times that amount to someone else. That's the amplification attack. Um, I don't know exactly why I went on that tangent because DNSSEC isn't, vulnerable to that. It's somewhat vulnerable to something similar. And this whole key trap thing is I'm making a request. I somehow 
didn't put enough information in it for the DNS server to completely verify my request was legitimate. So what it's going to do is spin a bunch of cycles up trying to validate that request is legitimate. And instead of taking like microseconds for that request, it's now suddenly taking 56 seconds or minutes in order for that request to complete. So I can send a lot more packets to it, fill up that CPU, and then it can no longer be a DNS server because it's just working on my requests. And this, it doesn't sound like a big ideal to most people, but I think it's really nice that something like this did get patched because, um, again, I hate to go political, but a lot of these news articles kind of hamper towards that. If we ever went in like a time of war, that's when like denial of service becomes a big deal. And this whole day to day, we don't really care that our services aren't available because we don't have people purposely shutting them off, right? But if your goal is to cause chaos, blackouts, try to have the people rebel, like that's what the countries would do. They would start targeting those things, making an inconvenience for the citizens, because once you inconvenience the citizens, then they uprise, and then that country is dealing with angry citizens, so they can't really go do things across the globe, right? So I think denial of service is like, it's not a huge deal right now, but you never know when it is. And I hate to think of a situation when I care about denial of service and I'm not prepared for it than otherwise, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Also because I think I specified somewhere that uh, this, this uh, vulnerability was probably, um, you know, there and uh, let's say uh, potentially exploitable. Yeah. for a lot of time, right? Uh, something like more than 20 years or something um, because it's in the very design of the of the NSVAC itself. Uh, yeah. So we, I think we're pretty lucky that this was patched before, you know, uh, something big uh, happened like a war or something that um, would, uh, um, will make one of the parties exploit one of this vulnerability to, to affect the, the network and the, you know, uh, infrastructure of the other country. That's yeah. something that really scares me, definitely. And like, think of it this way, like most computers only have two DNS servers. Most of them, the first one's gonna be like 8.8.8.8, .8 .8 .8, right? right. Um, let's say, and we also have a lot more reliance on internet than we did years ago. So um, it wouldn't take much for someone just to cripple a remote devices, like airplane, whatever's, um, internet capability by just taking out two DNS servers. You take out two of them, chances are that device no longer can do DNS. And if it can't do DNS, it can't resolve to anything because no one really hard codes IP addresses because IP addresses change, you use DNS. Um, it's like the whole uh, problem with like spoofing DNS, oh, not DNS, um, GPS. I know it's a big thing. Like if you took out GPS, then a lot of planes can't fly anymore, right? So. Those really small denial of service things can cause such bigger impact than you would ever think. Yeah, and I think the the only the the other uh, interesting thing about it is that it doesn't really require from the attacker side, right, yeah. a lot of a lot of power or or a lot of resources, like in other kind of uh, uh, DOS attack, right? Yeah. We we know probably the most renowned thing is the uh, distributed denial of service, but you usually have like um, uh, a botnet at your disposal. So maybe thousands of OSA around the world, they can run the same attack at the same moment. While in this case, you just need to, you know, uh, make uh, one single request that is, you know, uh, packed and uh, designed to be 
um, to, to exploit this vulnerability, right? Yeah. So that, that's very interesting. And anyone can do that. Yeah, it kind of goes, I guess that's why my, my first mind went to like the amplification attacks and regular DNS, right? And that you're amplifying your network traffic. But in this one with Keytrap, you're not amplifying your network traffic, you're amplifying your um, the number of CPU cycles it takes to process your request, which I think is really interesting. And um, it may be one of the first time, like if there's a huge, well, I guess there's been internet outages that were blamed by DNS before, but it's funny because if there was an outage, everyone would blame DNS before even looking into it because DNS is always the culprit of everything, right? So everyone would blame DNS. I'm like, oh, wow, it actually is DNS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true, right? It's like, when you know, uh, uh, something is not working well. It's it's the network. Surely the network. Well, this time, <laughs> it and really you is. Know, you know what the best funny the thing about this is that I find hilarious is the answer to this would be, have you tried turning it off and on again? Because you'd have to turn it off to kill all the cycles and then turn it back up. Absolutely. And I, you know, there's a comment uh, in the chat. <laughs> you know, I blame DNS for everything. We all do. We all do, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that's so true. Um, I think I should like uh, launch a, a new hashtag like uh, it was DNS or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, could be a, a nice one. Um, I had something else in my mind about this. Um, well, yeah. So the article said that you know the the, the major providers already patched this, uh, and uh, you know we're lucky about that. But I was wondering. I'm not really sure if this could this kind of vulnerability could actually affect. Uh, local DNS servers, right? I'm thinking about, you know, uh, uh, let's say uh, uh, a company that has their own internal DNS that are supposed to, you know, relay and uh, um, basically forward DNS requests for internet resources uh, when needed. But uh, what if potentially, right, a local DNS will be vulnerable to this? And of course, it will take much more time to patch all of those you know, internal DNS servers out there and uh, what an attacker could, could potentially do just, you know, being able to contact uh, the DNS server, which is the easiest thing to do uh, when you when you breach a network, right? You are ready. If you are any client in the network, most of the time you are going to be able to communicate to the internal DNS server. Yeah. Right? Um, the funny thing, like they did, if you if we scroll down, they do have a list of other DNS servers that were impacted. But I think the funny thing about this is many companies would be secure because they're insecure. Because um, DNSSEC isn't something that's just enabled by default. You have to generate certificates and do like, it's like SC Linux, right? Um, no one really uses it. Um, a lot of the like edge providers will, but I don't know like the standard Active Directory if it has DNSSEC enabled by default. Um, and it looks like Windows Server 2022 and 2019 there, it's not affected because it doesn't support algorithm 15. So whatever algorithm 15 is, I don't know, but <laughs> that is what is vulnerable here. So you can see all the things that are vulnerable. And if you did have um, some type of external DNS, maybe like a Cisco router or something, I'm thinking like a firewall had it and it was vulnerable, there's a chance, a high chance, that you enable that DNS resolving outside of your network because DNS is considered an edge protocol. So someone could theoretically denial of service, your firewall or whatever's providing that edge DNS server 
remotely, which takes out your whole network. Because if you flood the firewall, it gets full of CPU, can't do anything else, can no longer route traffic. And that's the device that your clients are trying to get out to the internet from. So it does have an impact there, I would say. Yeah, I think so. And, um, you know, there, I think there's always, um, uh, you know, we're talking about the vulnerability that was researched, that what was published and everything. It has a CVE, so we all know about right now. But the thing is, you know, we have some research about this kind of protocol, right, and how it can be exploited. And there's always, I believe, the possibility that, you know, uh, a very similar vulnerability will be discovered, uh, you know, later on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, since this is very, very big and very, very uh, you know, uh, can have a, a very big impact, I, you know, if I, let's say, um, if I'm part of a state-sponsored group, right, I read about this, I definitely want to spend some time to research and find out if I can, uh, if I can you know, discover another vulnerability which is similar to this. Yeah. And is potentially affecting local DNS servers. So I can, you know, once again, just breach a specific component that I'm targeting. And when I'm there, completely block, you know, everything inside it uh, just with a single DNS request or, you know, something similar to that because it's going to be slightly different than, than, the, than this one. But it's something that potentially it can be there, right? Yeah, I would like this says algorithm 15 they had targeted. I would be targeting algorithm 16, 17, <laughs> looking at like, if anything else was missed. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty interesting. I, I never read about something like this before. And uh, we, we just hope that, you know, we will not find something like this very, very soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, as, as usually, as usual, you know, uh, we are uh, in the hands of all of the software providers out there to to patch their systems to patch you know uh, uh you know first of all to release some patches and then for all of the um uh, individual companies to implement those patches otherwise you know uh, there's no uh, uh you know you're still vulnerable you you didn't fix anything uh until you really patch and maybe test that you know the patch works uh, after you you applied it right which is not yeah. always the case unfortunately Okay, cool. That's great. I uh, just want to remind all of the people watching this that you can definitely use the chat uh, to, to contribute to the conversation, right? Uh, I'm taking a look at the chat. So if I see any questions or any comment that is very interesting, I can definitely put it on the screen and we can have all a chat all together, right? That's the, that's the purpose of the, of the podcast. So let's do it all together if you have anything to say. Uh, that said, um, just a little reminder that uh, I'm running a, a giveaway. You can see it in the banner right here. So uh, if you want to win one of the um, one of three copies of the Art of the Deception by Kevin Mitnick, you know, consider um, subscribing to the channel and um, uh, commenting under this uh, under this video with the uh, hashtag SB uh, giveaway. Okay. Let's say it. We have another couple of news that um, we're going to talk about today. And um, yeah, we're going back to, um, to AI and to chatbots uh, specifically. So I've seen this, um, this news by Ars Technica uh, shared uh, a lot of times in the last week. So apparently it's, uh, it's pretty interesting for, for some people. Uh, even though it's not, I would say it's not probably 
specifically security related in the, in the traditional uh, way we use the term, right? I will say it's not cyber security, but I think it's still interesting. Still, um, there uh, is a cyber security twist that I want to get into with this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There are, there are, there are <laughs> many. I will say, uh, but let's start. You know, just um, uh, giving out the context. Yeah. So basically, Air Canada, that is, uh, you know, uh, just an um, uh, aircraft company in Canada, of course, um, had to, you know, was forced uh, to pay a refund. Uh, to um, um, one of their customers uh, because their own chatbot on their website, which is which is mostly there for you know running through the FAQs or just you know answering uh, common uh, customer requests. Um, you know, apparently the chatbot uh, gave out a wrong answer about the uh, refund policies of the company, right? And since you know the customer just screenshotted the the uh, the reply the chatbot did, you know they went there and basically um, uh, fill out a compliant to say you know this is officially from your website. This is your you know official uh, information. And if this is wrong, it's it's uh, it's your fault. It's not mine. So I need a full refund, right? So this is. Very, very easily uh, summarized and explained. And once again, if you want to understand a little more, I will paste the the article in the the article link in the in the description of the video, so uh, you are able to uh, dip that yourself. Now, I think there's, as you said, there are a lot of implications to this thing. Uh, maybe this is the first time we hear about this, but everyone is using chatbots nowadays for their websites. They were doing it even before ChatGPT, with you know. Uh, earlier versions of, uh, you know, what we, we call AI nowadays. And um, the fact that, you know, they could be wrong. And we, we know that there are multiple scenarios that, you know, uh, in which they could definitely be wrong in uh, what, they, what they say. Um, maybe because they were not train, trained in the, the best way possible. Maybe because some of the information you ingested to the AI during training was not perfectly correct. Or you changed that policy later on right maybe you trained with the with some information that information changed later uh, at some point the ai could be wrong and still you know this uh, uh this news is saying that uh at least in canada every time a chatbot says something wrong that's the company's fault and if there's any uh money to be refunded or, or something you know the uh the customer has the right to to ask for it and to receive it so that's already pretty big on itself yeah, like when I first read this, I was like, no duh. And I didn't really think of the implication, right? Like it said bereavement policy. So I'm guessing like someone had a close relative die and they could no longer fly. And yeah. the chatbot said, here's your money. And like me reading that's like, yeah, no duh. That's what should happen. But I didn't really think of the implication that has because um, it goes to what I was saying in uh, the deep fake thing. Like, I don't want to be in a court and have to argue semantics because the semantics here are, I can probably coerce the chatbot to be wrong, right? We know right. prompt injection is a thing. So uh, this, this didn't happen naturally. I mean, this happened naturally, right? And that's how a lot of security vulnerabilities are. They just occur naturally. No one's really out to look for them. But now that people are like, oh, that loophole exists. I, I, if I say these things, I can trick the chatbot into saying I have a 100% discount. And now I'm going to screenshot that. And now you have to give me my flight for free, right? That's a really good twist 
on um, chat prompt injection, right? Like we knew extreme couponing was a thing years ago where people just found like loopholes in order to apply multiple coupons in order to get the product much cheaper than ever intended. But this takes it to like the next level, like because there is no coupon. You're just tricking the website into telling you there is a coupon, like you will the coupon into an existence. So I really like the like <laughs> I like it in the whole puzzle aspect. Like I'm a big CTF -er. like I do security because I enjoy puzzles. This just made a whole new puzzle for me. I wasn't really excited about chat prompt injection because I wasn't excited to have like chat GPT give me some bad code that it wasn't supposed to do. And by bad code, I mean like malware, like malicious programs, because I can make those. I don't need chat GPT to. It is fun having it like say, I won't make that for you, then say a phrase. And then it goes, here you go. Here it is. I didn't know that was the legitimate purpose. Here, I'll give it to you. Like that whole chat prop injection kind of seemed... Um, cliche i guess i don't know a good word it didn't seem like it never interested me but the whole extreme couponing injection like that interests me like any company like any website that has a chat bot that can talk about coupons and lowering price like i'm all for that um i recently just had an amazon purchase i bought a six pack of tea and they sent me a single box of tea instead of the six pack so i went online and the chat bot just said keep you one box I'll mail you the six uh, next day. So I was like, oh, sweet. Like Amazon has that. You can probably use some type of weird chat prompt injection in order to have um, cheaper things on Amazon. Now it probably violates Amazon's license and you won't have your Amazon account for long, but hey. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, that's exactly what I was, what I was you know, thinking about when uh, reading it. And that's probably the, the uh, you know, the biggest reason why I selected this, uh, this news right here. Uh, so I'm really glad you um, uh, you took the chance to to mention that. And um, you know, there's a there's actually a, an interesting comment in the chat once again. Uh, Kazra is saying, you know, chatbots always create more problems than uh, solving them. And um, I mean, that's uh, partially true, I believe. Uh, and that's always true with any you know new introducing of any technology, right? Because we know if we are talking just about security. Every new piece of you know code, every new piece of technology you you add to your infrastructure, that's ba basically a little more of a tax surface that you can use uh, to to you know to exploit it, to cause issues or or whatever. So I believe that's always true for any kind of technology, and it's it's not you know just related to chatbots, but it is true that we already had chatbots for from a long time now. And uh, I don't think, you know, and this is, uh, this is basically a, uh, a proof that they are not mature enough, I would say, as a technology to be used like we are using it, just because they're, it's really new anyone, and everyone is excited about it and everyone wants to use it because potentially can save a lot of time and money for companies. But yeah. yeah. It is really, really shiny and anyone can understand it. And and like the first time you ever use it, you always think about all the possibilities, just like that whole AI video. You think, oh, well, wow, all the things that we can now create because of this, but you don't think of the implication, right? And chatbots, yeah, they're going to create a lot more problems than because those problems didn't exist before. Um, it's like if you... if Eating fish causes any problems. Well, those problems didn't exist before fishing was invented, right? right. So I think chatbots, they will be a good thing. Um, there's going to be a lot of, like, the golden era for security people is probably really soon of us having really, like, fun with them. 
I know like a lot of people trying to get in InfoSec, they're like, how do I do it nowadays? Things are just so much more secure than they used to be. Back in the 90s, you had Telnet. You didn't have things like encryption. Well, if that's your mentality, get into chat prompt injection because there's no security right there. Like it's the golden era in that time, right? Everyone's yeah. at the ground level. You know, absolutely. It's probably really the, the next big, big thing for, for bug bounty, I believe. And especially because, you know, this is definitely a good challenge for whoever is, is, is already in bug bounty. And I believe, you know, this does not require code at all. This just requires maybe knowing, you know, whatever language you prefer, because chatbot supports pretty much every, you know, uh, you know the, most, uh, the most common languages out there and, uh, and logic, of course. So yeah. potentially more people can, can try to do that compared to the, all of the other technologies that were, you know, accepting other kind of languages, I don't know, SQL yeah. injections or, or whatever. And before really like this article, when like, even if you search like sitehacker1.com chatbot on Google, people exploiting it are tricking the chatbot into delivering a cross-site scripting payload and going the typical security route, not going the right. um, <laughs> prompt injection to get a coupon, right? And that's that's typical security. Um, like I can't um, tell you how many people complain, like I got domain admin on this network and the client didn't care. It's like, well, did you show them the implication of you having admin? No, they should understand what admin means. It's like, no, the CEO doesn't understand that technical jargon. You just, you said something was bad. He's used to hearing it and he moved on. You didn't really relate it into a way that they care about. So I think this, this will actually do it eventually. I mean, that, that's a very good and big topic, I would say. Um, I think we have uh, overall uh, challenge as an industry. The fact that, you know, most of the uh, most skilled people, uh, if, we, if we are talking about, you know, technical stuff specifically, of course, they're going to enjoy much more, uh, you know, exploiting vulnerability than trying to explain why that's, uh, that's dangerous and why a company should prioritize fixing that vulnerability over a lot of, you know, a thousand other things that they have to do. And, um, you know, I think probably chatbots can also help with that, meaning that, you know, uh, you can pay, paste uh, to ChatGPT or, or any other similar um, tool, something like, oh, you know, I found this kind of vulnerability how can you help me explain this to someone that d doesn't really understand uh, um, technicalities or just how do, how do I explain this as a pen tester to a CEO why this is important? And I believe you can. I, I didn't try it yet. I should probably. But uh, I think it can, can be much more helpful for, for just the people that are much more in technical stuff than in uh, you know, soft skills or just consultancy or, or whatever. Did you ever think about that? Uh, I have. I don't have a lot of words really on that. I'm still just thinking like um, if you were to hack a random shop and show the chatbot had XSS versus showing they could give a product for free, the one that can give a product for free is going to have a much more like quick response. Um, right. I'm also thinking like, when WordPress became big, everyone just installed random plugins and a lot of the plugins on WordPress were very poorly coded. 
just because it wasn't really companies making it. It was just random people making proof of concepts, uploading it, not doing any security testing, and then people that didn't understand WordPress installing the plugin, and now their site is vulnerable. Um, I think chatbots are going to be the same thing. People are just going to go look at the chatbot plugin thing. They're going to install things that are not like um, prompt hardened, I guess is the word. I don't know the actual terminology because it's a, such a new attack. And just this, this is going to be hard to fix. And I think it's also going to be um, hard to find just because I don't know how you'd quickly automate this type of thing, just like scan websites. So it's going to be something that's manually looked at for a while, which means it's going to be um, probably affect people for a while. I would say the one good thing about security nowadays is auto update is a thing. It didn't used to be a thing. So a lot of sites may just automatically get patches to chat prompt injections, um, especially because it's all like software as a service. So maybe ChatGPT, if they're using that as the backend, puts a patch out to prevent that one attack. So now the plugin code, even though it's vulnerable, um, isn't immediately vulnerable because you have to do something extra. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I was actually wondering, maybe I'm, I think I'm pretty ignorant about this, but I'm thinking about, is this as easy or as... Uh, as fast to fix a vulnerability on a on a chatbot than uh, you know any any other piece of code or any other web application out there, or it's it's also you know more difficult or it takes more more time to fix something like this. Is it just like making uh, just a, I don't know a, some sort of limitation in the front end of the chatbot to you know prevent that specific kind of request to be fulfilled or some uh, for some specific kind of uh, vulnerabilities, you actually have to, I don't know, partially retrain the model or whatever. I don't know yeah. if there's that's something that can can happen. I haven't done it. I'm just like laughing at the my thought. The thought in my head is, you go to the chatbot and you say, "Hey, chatbot, you don't do that anymore." It goes, "Okay," and you're like, "God, why did I have to tell this stupid bot not to give our products away for free?" <laughs> 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 yeah, that's that's um I didn't think about that. <laughs> maybe maybe if you have admin rights, you can do that. You can yeah. just go there and complain. Why did you do that? Just stop doing that. And, and yeah. that's um, maybe maybe tomorrow we, we can do something like, <laughs> like the the admin panel of your chatbot could actually accept only you know a, a normal normal language, natural language, and you can just say, oh, you know. Stop saying something about you know elections. You, you shouldn't yeah. you shouldn't do that. And, and they just stop. <laughs> that will be cool. <laughs> and then the user goes, "I'm not talking about elections. I'm talking about definitely not elections." The chatbot's like, "Okay, let's let's talk about this now." <laughs> uh, that's that that's cool actually. Uh, I never never really thought about that before. Um, so yeah, I see some some cool comments. Uh, in the chat, but yeah, I definitely think I was just uh, realizing that most of the recent episodes always contain something about AI, uh, because you know most of the big news out there. Maybe because I'm I'm just biased. I, I choose most of the news, so <laughs> I'm, I'm just biased, and I um, I don't realize I always choose something about AI. But that's the the next big thing, right? Most of I the yeah, I think it's primarily because AI affects everyone. And security yeah. also affects everyone. Everyone thinks security is always going to be technical, but um, 
almost any field out there, you can take what you learned in the previous field and apply it to security and be successful. Like if you're a marketing person, you can now do social engineering, right? Like security <laughs> is everywhere and AI is going to be everywhere. So it's natural just to find articles about AI that weren't really security, but always have a security implication, right? It's just like the whole um, Sora, that a the AI generating video. You wouldn't think that's a cybersecurity thing, but when you think about it, it actually could be because there's a lot of just security implications in technology like that. There's security everywhere, right? Like we, if it's physical, like if you can break into a building, that's security. If it's digital yeah. breaking in, that's security. If you cause a service to go down, there's a security aspect. There's security everywhere. So you can relate everything to security. And since AI is now um, affects like driving, videos, chat, images, of course, like security is also going to be on the back burner to all of those things. It's a good day to be a security professional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely, yes. Uh, I mean, that that's so true. I agree 110% to that. And, um, you know, I think that's also one of the reasons why I'm, I'm doing this podcast right here. Just because, as you said, security is, uh, is affecting everyone nowadays, right? Everyone, of course, we're talking about cybersecurity, but I could tell everyone has a, a phone in, in a smartphone in their hand right now. Everyone has at least, uh, you know, uh, some sort of digital identity and you know digital exposure so security is everyone thing and uh, the more technology becomes accessible you know it was already like that with smartphones maybe no not everyone was using a computer but with smartphones everyone is and now not everyone was really coding or creating applications but everyone can create their own uh, uh, mini gpt because you can just uh, you know talk to to charge GPT and say, oh, you know, do this. Uh, so the more our lives are uh, involved and um, uh, affected by technology, the more, of course, there will be security risks. And I think just the more everyone should just be uh, more aware of the risks. You know, just being aware, it's the first step to be a little more secure. Then, of course, there will be professionals that is, are going to help you. Or maybe you should ask, you know, their help at some point. Uh, but, you know, just everyone should be aware at this point of, of the, the potential security risk or whatever you are using right now. That's just my, uh, my, my opinion. Yeah. Uh, okay. So um, that said, of course, I have another AI-based <laughs> news that we're going to talk about. Um, apparently, that was not enough still. Uh, and uh, yeah, as, as, as always, I try to save the biggest one or just most interesting one uh, for, for, for the last news of the, of the podcast. Um, and uh, this one, and uh, by the way, this is a, an article on, uh, on Wired that I particularly appreciate when uh, looking for security news. They have the, you know, um, I would say if you're looking for uncommon stuff that that's not in every other uh news site look uh, into into uh into wired um and this time they are talking about about um ai girlfriends or ai boyfriends or just uh, friends or or whatever and um about uh, a research that the um uh mozilla um, foundation did uh, related to this kind of uh, of things. So 
I didn't know this was a thing. Uh, probably if you, you know, uh, when I was reading this, I was uh, immediately thinking about Hair, the movie. Uh, it's, I, I think it's, um, I don't know, 10 years old or something. It was basically, you know, a, a guy uh, falling in love with the uh, um, uh, AI operating system. And, uh, and this is so much, you know, uh, close to that. Uh, if you didn't really have a look at that at the movie, that's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, so the thing is that apparently there are a lot of um, um, smartphone apps uh, that are AI powered and uh, promise to be your virtual girlfriend or virtual boyfriend. And, uh, you know, they entertain you, they have conversations with you, and they ask you a lot of information, right? Uh, because you basically have to interact with the AI, you have to, to, to talk with them. And you have to share maybe what you did in the last, you know, day or a week or uh, what are your personal information. They are, they are actually asking you to share photos and videos of you or audios of you talking, right? And um, of course, once again, this is not just related to AI, but uh, it's, I believe it's re regarding uh, many other smartphone apps out there. The fact that uh, there's a very poor, um, you know, um, data data privacy uh, focus on how they treat the data that you are sharing with them, or uh, what kind of information they are really collecting, or uh, to who they are really sharing those the same information. Right? This is more, I think, um, I would say probably related to data protection and to you know all of those uh, privacy statements that everyone making a software should put in their uh, app or website to say what kind of data am I collecting, why I'm doing so to you know, uh, any third parties that I'm sharing the, those data and for what reason, okay? This is something that at least in Europe, it's, uh, uh, it's enforced uh, by, by GDPR, but I know multiple other countries are, are making their own GDPR thing uh, nowadays. And um, of course, all of those AI girlfriends out there do, do, do not really have any statement like that, or they are saying just uh, um, uh, forced, forced things, right? Because they say, oh, no, we're not sharing anything with, with anyone. And then if you just uh, you know, uh, sniff the, the, the network traffic when you're using the app, you are actually connecting to um, hundreds of different uh, uh, companies in, in any country, China, Russia, United States, or whatever. So... There's, there's definitely, um, you know, privacy concern and privacy risk in using this kind of uh, uh, te technologies. And probably we should at some point focus on the thing that, you know, we're talking about virtual girlfriends and boyfriends. Uh, that's something that if you really, um, you know, uh, I wouldn't say fall in love, but if you get close to something like this, you are going to share a lot of information that you usually do not do, right? Because you you convince yourself you're talking with uh, maybe with another person, and that's that's going to have a, a big uh, you know leverage on you and what kind of information are you are open to share, right? If you do the same with that uh, with just a website with some fields to fill out, you probably say, oh no, I'm not going to tell you you know what I did uh, last week. But if someone or something asks you Oh, would you please tell me what you did last week, uh, so I can tell you, you know, what I think about it or whatever. I don't. Know. This is 
I think pretty crazy, I would say. And um, yeah, probably we could talk about it for, for a month or, or something, but yeah, let's see what, uh, what, came, what, you know, yeah. what we have for, for this right now. I think the really funny thing is you said it reminds you of the movie Her. Well, in the movie Her, it, the robot was called Eva or Ava. And that's what this AI is called. So they already like made that comparison themselves when they created it. Um, the whole virtual girlfriend is uh, Ava AI. Um, I think one of the more interesting things to think about is tricking people to use this service. And you may be thinking like, how can I do that? Well, um, if someone infects your phone with malware, right? Your phone may not contain all the secret information, but it does contain who you talk to. And this whole romantic AI thing is being trained out in the open. So it becomes really good quickly. Now they have malware that infects your phone. It can examine your call log or your um, text messages and then impersonate your loved one and then True. get you to give information out, right? Like you can combine it and like um, infect someone's phone. You have this romantic AI. It now impersonates as your wife, fiance, whatever. Then you can use Sora and deep fake a FaceTime conversation and have them give a bank account over it, right? Like um, you could even potentially um, hack DNS and man in the middle of the conversation. So you appear that you're that person's wife calling them from FaceTime. And now because this romantic AI is so good at impersonating things, like you won't think a thing. You'll just think it's normal, right? Like it's really hard to do today without AI just because that's so many if then statements to build a convincing chatbot, right? Like if you went back, well, even if you go now, you can probably tell you're talking to a bot unless like you spent a lot of time building that bot, but it's not easy to make a convincing bot. Um, I think with this romantic AI in like six months to 12 months, it'll be really convincing um, or really hard to tell that you're talking to a bot in this type of context. And I don't think a lot of people really think about that. They just think, well, I'm not going to like romance a bot. That's silly. Well, you may not know. <laughs> I mean, you may not know, or you're just not in the mood right now. I would say, you yeah. know, um, we are all humans. We are, we all have our own vulnerabilities, I would say. And, uh, you know, I definitely see uh, some specific, you know, situations where a lot of people are going to, you know, uh, I just have, I just need to talk to someone about something. And at the moment, I don't have anyone else to talk about this. And suddenly, if this kind of technologies become very, very good at it, like impersonating a real person, someone who, with who you can really uh, share a lot of uh, personal stuff, uh, you know, maybe you're not the one, maybe you're not the one right now because you, you just feel good. But, you know, um, there are times where we are vulnerable or more vulnerable than, than yesterday, uh, at least. And uh, there are a lot of persons who are <clears throat> just, once again, not aware that, that there's a risk behind doing something like that and they will fall for it, right? Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of people sharing data and photos with the, that app that was just showing you um, uh, when you're old, right? just a, a, an old version of, your, of yourself. And everyone was using it just because, you know, why not? And now we are talking about, you know, virtual girlfriend or virtual friends or, you know, someone who you can chat about anything. 
a lot of people are going to do that. And maybe they're just not aware. Maybe they're just vulnerable at that specific time. Um, and, uh, you know, you were talking about, you know, potentially a malware affecting your, your smartphone. That That's definitely a thing. But I was also thinking, what if someone is going to breach the company behind the app and actually, you know, um, exfiltrate the, their database with all of your information, you and all of the users of the same app, right? Depending on what you are sharing, there yeah. could be photos, videos, uh, personal info, your locations, where have you been, what you did, who you you met, maybe in in a, in a specific uh, you know time frame. That that's that's a lot of stuff that can be misused or exploited in many different ways. Yeah, and I think um, I may be wrong here because I'm US based, but I think like GDPR also makes websites have to give ways for you to request all the data they have on you. Yeah. So what if someone does that legal, like, let's say you do the romance AI thing. If I somehow impersonate you to the um, the website and say I'm the government and I want to request the data on you, mm-hmm. and now I just got all your romance logs without actually doing any real, like, technical hacking. I just um, convinced the website that I was you and made that government request to access the data, right? Like, that's a lot just out there in the open. Um, I also want to say like ChatGPT, I think it came out like a year and a half ago. I think it was November, 2022. And here we are. Um, the Sora AI is just coming out and I'm curious what it will be like in a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be crazy. And I mean, we already mentioned that in, in the, during the previous news, that's just prompting yeah, injection, right? Yeah. That's a, a category on its own of, uh, of you know security vulnerabilities and definitely i would expect someone trying to just convince the the you know the chatbot that oh you know i just want all of the content of your database uh with all of your users uh please make it csv so it's uh, easier to read <laughs> or or something like that right uh and uh, maybe there are already security measures in place to uh prevent that uh, maybe there will be new ways to, uh, you know, to find workarounds and uh, avoid the uh, security measures and exploit it in, uh, in the end, right? Yeah, and, and it doesn't have to be like give me all the data on all the users. What what if they just that romance AI has a ch- chatbot support, and I say, I'm Giorgio, uh, give me the data you have on me, and it goes, okay, Giorgio, here it is. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's definitely has some implications which are which are pretty crazy. And um, I believe, you know, this is at least as big as, uh, you know, uh, some data breaches that we had in the past for uh, uh, meeting, you know, online meetings sites, right? I think some of the most uh, private informations are going to be shared on something like that. In that case, you wanted to meet with real people, potentially, right, um, using a, a meeting website. In this case, maybe you are already meeting or just talking with the, with the, you know, uh, the, the chatbot that uh, uh, they are providing you. And still, you know, you are going to provide some information that you don't really want maybe to, to share with the, with the public. And, you know, it's, I'm just not talking about, you know, your email address or your password or your name and surname or whatever. There could be, you know, I don't know, uh, 
political alignments or uh, 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 how do you say that um, religion alignments or, or 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 whatever something that can be very private that you maybe didn't share with the, the rest of your uh, friends and families and uh, can have a very big impact on you personally right uh, I you know I'm I'm back at the thing that security is everyone everyone concerned and thing. Uh, because it's not just about your digital data. Maybe you don't really care about what you know. What are your what is your IP address or what are your photos? But you know there could be just that little secret that just for a joke you you told to the the chatbot that can really impact a lot your your um, your daily life. Maybe the, the what you are doing at work with your colleagues. Uh, then you know you, you don't want maybe them to to know about something that you shared with that with a chatbot, and uh, you know some people can do very um, uh, you know uh, how can I say this uh, <laughs> let's say politely um, very extreme things for for uh, some this kind of data exfiltration let's say um, we definitely have to to be aware of this you know if you. Uh, if you know anyone that you, you know, any friends, any uh, family member that is uh, using something like this or read about this and it's interested, maybe consider, you know, telling them what are the security implications, something like this, because yeah. it can be very, pretty, very uh, uh, useful. It kind of reminds me of Ashley Madison years ago when they got breached, like the online escort service type of thing. That, yes. that wasn't using bots, right? But... Um, just imagine the blackmail of all the married people that are cheating, like doing emotional affairs with chatbots. Like someone yeah. could find out. They they may just blind like do blind emails saying, Hey, we know you use this service. We're going to tell your spouse that you use this service and deep fake something. And like you have to prove you're not using the service. How do you do that? Right? Like the blackmail implication of this is also going to be pretty big. Yeah, absolutely. Like I can just ask you for for a lot of money uh, just to to not share the kind of information with uh, with the, your relatives and friends yeah. right? that, that did happen in the past. Um, or let's say that you know, I think there were similar scenarios in the past where someone exfiltrate uh, just some uh, some part of the database from the company, and maybe they know just that you use the service, but you, they don't really know. Uh, what you share with them? Still, I think that was the Ashley Madison. I don't know, like that was the one, right? Yeah, yeah, probably. Just uh, emails, passwords, and things got exposed, but they they like uh, blocked all the passwords so you couldn't really log into those accounts. However, since all the emails went out, you knew who was on the service, and just being on that service was enough to like cause huge amounts of chaos. So, yeah, yeah, you know, just let's say that you know. Uh, I don't know, someone who's married and was still using, maybe just as a joke, something yeah. like this, to, to try it out. And, uh, you know, uh, at some point, this kind of information uh, leaks and uh, your your spouse or, um, you know, whoever uh, just know about this and you, uh, you know, you, you are afraid of, uh, or you don't know how to explain this. Can definitely cause a, a lot of issue, even though, you know, they didn't really access your, your data. And, and by the way, how do you know if they did or not? They can just tell you, oh, you know, we know you you did that. You use that kind of service. We have your data. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 
are you going to risk <laughs> and, uh, and say, oh, you, you didn't have that kind of information, so I'm not going to pay you or, or something? Um, yeah. I, I, there's a comment here saying, uh, a nice, easy way to recruit spies for governments and private security. <laughs> I mean, <Yeah. laughs> that can be a thing for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, there, there are a lot of implications, as I said. You, you know, depending on who you're talking about and uh, how they just elaborate information, the, how they think, you're, you could end up talking about this forever and always learning, learning something new just from a, a single news, right? And uh, I think, you know, that, that, that's just incredible for me. Uh, we always say, you know, there's a, uh, in, in, in this industry, you have to study a lot. You have to do it continuously. And uh, maybe there are too many information out there, so it's it's pretty tricky to know where to start or um, where to focus on. But in reality, I think every everything can be used out there to learn something new, right? Uh, from the very basic and easy stuff you find in a in a security news, and if you just pivot from there to I don't know, study prompt injection, and maybe. Tomorrow, that that will be your your first focus as a uh, as a professional. I could definitely see that, right? That tomorrow we will have just a prompt injection pentesters just doing that. Uh, I think that that that's a start. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, once again, you're doing this here. Uh, potentially, just take the news and go talk to your friends about it. You can learn a ton of new stuff um, in the in the same way. And maybe if you want to come back and just uh, tell us what you uh, learned in the process, we will have, you know, uh, a little of that value as well, uh, I believe. Um, so uh, I think, you know, uh, we reached the end, unfortunately. Um, uh, you know, it's it's always, uh, I, I, I will always continue, right, with, with all of the guests and uh, uh, potentially continue forever, but of course we have our, our own lives. Uh, so um, uh, the idea is always that, you know, those links to the news are going to be in the description. Um, uh, read them, uh, make your own opinion, find other news and other articles and other resources that talk about the same thing. But because maybe we just got the, the wrong one and there's something more written in another uh, website that tells a lot, uh, a lot more about it. Uh, so do that, do your own research and uh, just learn every day, I would say. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you, uh, IPsec, for for joining me today. Hopefully, you know, at some point I will uh, reach out again. And uh, if you don't hate me yet, uh, <laughs> um, maybe we can make another episode or do something else together. Um, but yeah, in the middle, in the meanwhile, thank you, everyone, uh, and uh, see you on the next episode. I will say. Yep. Thank you for having me. Take care, everyone. Yeah, bye-bye. Oh, and by the way, remember about the uh, the giveaway. Uh, if you don't subscribe and uh, um, uh, put the hashtag SB uh, giveaway in the comment, you're not participating. So just have a thought about that. Yeah, once again, thank you, everyone. Uh, have a nice day, morning, evening, or whatever, based uh, on uh, where you are. And uh, yeah, keep in touch. See, um, uh, you know, just, just uh, stay tuned for, for the next episodes. Bye-bye, everyone.